my name is Jason Ford. I'm the missions pastor here at The Point. And let me say Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Happy, Happy New Year. Pastor Wade is out this day. He is celebrating the one-year anniversary with Community Point, a new church plant, a one-year-old church plant here in Hernando. So be praying for them, Community Point, as they celebrate their one-year anniversary. This morning, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to be looking at verses 25 through 34 this morning. Let me give you a little bit of context. Here we're in the New Testament, we're in the book of Matthew, and we are in the middle of one of the most well-known, famous sermons, teachings that Jesus gives in the New Testament. And leading up to this time, this is early on in the ministry of Jesus, he has been going throughout Galilee, preaching, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He's been healing There have been people who have been possessed by demons, and he's casting them out. There have been people who have been having seizures and paralytics, and they're being brought to him, and he's healing them. And crowds are beginning to follow. Crowds are hearing about this new teaching about the kingdom. They're hearing about these amazing things that are being done, and people are coming from all over. They're coming from the Decapolis. They're coming from Jerusalem. They're coming from the other side of the Jordan. They're coming from Judea. And they're gathering and seeing the crowds. Jesus went up on a mountain and he began to teach. He began to teach them about the kingdom. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to these followers and he's saying, this is what the kingdom looks like. This is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, to be a kingdom citizen, even in the midst of this broken world. How to live as a citizen of the kingdom in this world that we are in. So let's look today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And if you're physically able this morning, I would invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. 
Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a sermon from our Savior that speaks to our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that you would accompany the teaching of this word this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. I am insufficient for the task of communicating this, but I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal truth, you would convict, you would comfort, that your word, as it's preached, as it's taught, Father, would not return void. We trust you for that promise this morning. Change us, Father, by this beautiful teaching that you gave through your Son. Help us to apply it in our lives in this day, in this year that is to come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Hey, I want you to know this morning you're in good hands. I am a leading expert in North Mississippi on the topic of worry. I've been doing it for four decades now. I can worry about small things. I can worry about big things. I can worry about things past and to come and even things in the present. I can be a worrier. That is my tendency. So I'm speaking from experience here, and I imagine in a room this size, I'm not alone as a worrier. And I don't believe that's the case. I think that's for many of us, because the reason I think that is because if you look at this passage, I haven't done a word study, I haven't done a word count, but it seems like if you eyeball it, Jesus gives more attention to worry than any other thing. More than murder, more than divorce, more than... All these things that Jesus is preaching on, prayer and worry seem to get the most out of all this. So I imagine there weren't just a couple of folks, a handful in the crowd that Jesus was speaking to that had this issue. But it was more. And I imagine there's more in this room that struggle with worry than not. And picture it, the context here of these folks coming from all these areas. These are people living in an occupied country. Roman soldiers marching around, worried, what's going to happen to my boy if he crosses a Roman soldier? What's going to happen to my daughter? Worried people, not having enough. What are they going to take? What are they going to do? Worried people. And Jesus is speaking to them, and he draws them in close, and he gives them this word. The psalmist talks about worry. There are proverbs about worry. The gospels talk about worry. Paul talks about worry, anxiety to the Philippians. He says, do not be anxious for anything. Right? Peter talks about it. Cast all your cares, your anxiety on him. He cares for you. All throughout the pages of scripture, this is addressed. And so, I feel that it would be good for us today to look at this as we enter into the new year. Let me define worry. We could look in a dictionary. We could look to the American Psychiatric Association. We could look to all sorts of places to get a description or a definition for worry. But I want to give you one that I believe is in line with what Jesus is speaking about when he talks about worry and anxiety in this context right here. And here's my definition for you for anxiety or worry. And it's being concerned and consumed by things of this world as we lose perspective and lack trust in God. Listen to that again. It's when we become concerned and consumed by the things of this world and we lose perspective 
and we lack trust in God. Our hearts worry. Our minds churn. We worry, worry, worry. Our minds get looped, right? Kind of get stuck on repeat sometimes in those early hours of the morning. I've been there. I'm the guy. I've, I've felt it. I've felt the heavy thing on the chest. I've had the sweaty palms. I've woken up with the heart rate fast. We worry. We worry. And Jesus speaks to us. We get those crazy thoughts, right? That string of what ifs where we begin with this kind of little problem and then we follow that what if, what if, what if, and we end up in crazy land, right? With worry, with anxiety. And so Jesus speaks to us. And it's all ages, right? It doesn't matter how much money you got in your wallet. If you're the richest person in the room, if you're the poorest person in the room, if you're the prettiest person in the room or more homely. Worry hits all of us. And it doesn't matter if you're young, people. You worry about grades. I got a couple of boys in here. I wouldn't mind if they worried a little more about grades. But we worry. We worry about grades. We worry about what school we might get into, how we're going to do. We're going to get the job that we want. Are we ever going to get married? Then we get married, we're worried about starting a family. What's that going to be like? And then we start a family. We worry about how we're going to provide for our family. What am I, is going to happen to my kids? If I don't get embraces, they're going to end up. This is going to happen, then this. And then they'll never get a job. We worry about crazy, crazy, right? We worry about in-laws. We worry about outlaws. We worry about laws. We just worry. We worry. And that's just the general stuff, right? That's not even the specifics that are going on in each and every one of our lives in here this morning on the first day of this new year, 2023. We've got things that weigh us down, right? We got them. And so what is God calling us to do? And here's the problem with that. I joked about it, that I worry. But it's sin. It's sin. It's not of the Spirit, it's not of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace. But when I worry and I allow the flesh to take over, it's sin. It's not of God. It's not what He desires of me. It's not how He desires that I walk and live and make it through this day. And it's as much, oftentimes, it's not worry as much a response to God as it is to the situation that we're in. And we'll look at that as we work through this passage together. And it's a sin that leads to other sins. Think about it. When you get worried. What if a guy gets too worried about money? Worried, worried, worried about money. What might he do? Maybe hoard a little bit of that money. Rely on it. Maybe steal some of it. Maybe lie, cheat on taxes. What if you get worried about. If you just fret about what other people are thinking about you all the time. What are other people thinking? What might you do? What other sin might that lead to? Lie, falsehoods, present yourself as something that you're not. What if you just focused on success and worried about success, 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 get irritable at other people around you, blame others for things, manipulate situations? You see how it's a sin that can lead to other sins? And if we can root out worry, we can root that out of our lives, so many other things, I believe, will fall into the right place. And we've got 
some facts that Jesus is going to share with us this morning. I love the tone that we're going to get into with Jesus. Because, you know, leading up to this, it's like, hey, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. But here, it's like, hey, listen to me. Think. Just think. Let's look at some birds and some flowers for a minute. And let's just think about this, right? So let's do that this morning. And this is my prayer that I prayed for you that I prayed for me this week as I've worried about preaching a sermon about don't worry. How crazy is that? We're worrying about worrying. Hey, so here, here's the proverb that I prayed for my heart. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. But a good word makes him glad. And that good word is not going to come from me this morning. It's going to come from Jesus. Hear a good word from him this morning. If that's you and you're worried, you feel weighted down, I pray that you'll hear a good word this morning. And if not, if everything's just going swimmingly in your life and you are at perfect peace with all around you, somebody you know is fretting. So share this good word with them. This is for each one of us. Okay, right, so I'm going to give you the main point. And here it is. It's don't worry. That's the main point. Sometimes preachers, when you look at a passage, you have to fret and dig and sweat to find the main point. Not so right here. It is very clear what the main point of this passage is. Because he says it three times in this passage. In verse 25, what does he say? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Verse 31, he says it again. Therefore, I tell do not be anxious, saying. And then in the last, in verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry. Believe him. Believe him. Don't worry is the main point. Believe him. Sometimes we believe in Jesus. I believe in you. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. We know heaven is coming and it's ours. But what about today and the problems and the things that we're... Do we believe him? Do we believe him? Not just in him, but do we believe what he's saying to us through his word? And he calls us to believe him. He says, don't worry. And now this is not just a don't worry, be happy kind of thing, right? That Jesus is calling us to. There's all sorts of things that will cheer you up for a second. That's not what this is about. This is a deeper, deeper, don't worry, rest in me message for, from our Savior for us today. Verse 25 says, therefore, I tell you, whenever you, there's a therefore, you're always supposed to check what the therefore is there for, right? So if you look back above that, it says, you cannot serve God and money. This message right here, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, is for those who have said, nope, money's not going to be my God, God is going to be my God. I know I'm probably going to get pulled back that way, but I'm committing my life, I'm a kingdom person Following the king, not the things of this world. That's who Jesus is speaking to. And so if you've made that decision, if Jesus is king and you want him to reign and rule in your life, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Your life has great worth. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Your life has great worth. You're an image bearer of God. And your life's more important than all these things. Your life is about more than what you eat. It's about more than what you drink. It's about more than what you put on. It's about more than what you drive. It's about more than who uh, your best friend. It's about more than all these things. It's about more than what you got for Christmas. It's about more than what's going to happen next week. Your life is about more than these things. And God says, I've given you life. I know the hairs on your head. I've given you eyes to see and ears to hear. A mind to think. I can take care of all that. I can take care of the greater. I'm surely going to take care of the lesser. About what you eat and what you drink and put on. I can take care of this. Trust me with the lesser things. I've given you life. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. We are created for more. Our lives are eternally important and our life is about more than these things of this world that consume us and get us riled up. It's about more and we lose perspective and we like trust in God. But what Jesus is saying, don't worry, your life is of great worth. He also says you're more valuable than the creatures. I don't care what PETA says. I don't care what the tree huggers say. Your life is worth more. It's more valuable than the creatures. Look at these verses. Verse 25, excuse me, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? You might love your pet. But you're more valuable than your pet. You're more valuable than a panda in the Memphis Zoo. You're more valuable than an endangered species. Those are created things. And God calls his followers there, those disciples, to say, look at the birds. Look at them. Their creator cares for them. I'll care for you. You're more valuable than they. I, God is their creator, but he is your father. He's your father. Not just your creator. He is your heavenly father. So next time you go to the deer stand, you can go to the deer stand and sit out there and watch some birds. Or you go to grandma's house and she's got the feeder out. Consider the birds. What Jesus is calling us to do. Think about it. He's saying, think about it. Look at the birds. I've created them. I'm providing for them. How much more valuable are you? I'm your father. I'm your father. I will take care of you. What kind of parent, think about this, would put out food for a dog or a bird or a cat that they care about and then neglect to take care of the needs of their own child? Our heavenly father is... Far better than any parent like me who would take care of both of those things. Our Heavenly Father will provide for us. And now listen, I want to make a little note here. This does not mean you sit and you wait for, you're not like a little baby bird sitting there waiting for mama bird to come and drop food into your mouth. Well, I'm just going to sit here and let God bring me my food, bring me everything we need. God has ordained work. God has not ordained worry. 
There's a difference. The bird works. The bird flies. The bird seeks. The bird scratches. The bird gets the worm. It works. But have you ever seen a bird with hypertension or ulcers? Are they flying around tweeting about all the stress they've got? I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. No. No. How much more your heavenly father? How much more your heavenly father? Don't worry. You're more valuable than the creatures. Verse 27 I want us to look at. And here's the point of this verse. Worry does not work. Worry does not help. Look at verse 27. And why, let's see, I'm finding it with my glasses. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? There isn't a person in this room that couldn't answer that question. Which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Nobody. Nobody. Worrying does not work. It does not help. Does it make your day better? Ever start off the day with a good 30-minute worrying session? And come to the end of the day, whew, I'm glad I spent that time worrying this morning. It set me up to just charge through this day. Right? Whoo, it worked good this time. No? Does it make you more pleasant to be around? Huh? My wife, in almost 20 years of marriage, has never said to me, Jason, you're just so much more pleasant when you fret, when you worry, when you're anxious. I just love being around you then. Doesn't work that way. Worrying does not work. How about your health? Oh, your shoulders are tight. You got a little bit of headache. You know what you need to do? Just worry about it. Man, just worry that headache out. Huh? Does it help you feel better when you worry? It does the opposite, right? Worry does not work. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's like, hey, think about this, guys. Think about it. Look at some birds. It doesn't work. You know it doesn't work. And he's reminding us again as he teaches, which one of you by worrying can add a single hour to his span of life? Nobody. Nobody. It does the opposite. Don't worry. It doesn't work. Believe what Jesus is saying to us this morning. We're more valuable than the creatures. We're also more valuable than temporary things. You're more valuable than temporary things. You are not temporary you're not going to end your days and just one day you quit breathing and you just disappear into nothing. You've been created for eternity. And you're more valuable than the things of this world. Those temporary things. Verses 28 and 30. Why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? You're more valuable than these things. Consider the cut flower, the grass, he says. Beautiful as it is, he's made it beautiful. To enjoy and to appreciate the beauty of that flower, yet someday it's going to be Thrown in the fire, just rot into the ground. My wife enjoys flowers. She enjoys arranging flowers, and I enjoy buying her flowers. And she does a beautiful job with those flowers of arranging them and cutting them. 
And she'll even kind of do some tricks, like change the water out and wash the stems and put that magic dust in there that's supposed to make them last a little longer. But what happens to those flowers? They die. They get thrown in the trash can and in the dumpster. As beautiful as they were, God took the time to make the flower a thing of great beauty. As beautiful as that is, it gets tossed aside, but not you. You're more valuable than those temporary things. Made you beautiful. Made you unique. He planned your days and your ways. And he's made us wonderful in his sight. And he's going to provide for you. And listen, you don't need Solomon's robes. You couldn't work in all that stuff anyway. But what he's saying is he's going to care for you. He's going to care for you. He's going to provide what you need. And then ultimately, what's he going to clothe you in? Child of God. What's he going to clothe you in one day? His righteousness. His righteousness for all eternity. He cares for his children. He clothes his children. He's going to care for you. Look at the flower. Enjoy how pretty it is. And say, he clothes me better. He's going to clothe me in his righteousness. Don't worry. Believe him. Believe what he's saying to us. And then there's a problem, though, because our faith is often too small. Don't worry. Let your faith grow. Our faith is too small. He says it to him. He says it. Oh, you of little faith. I'm thankful that it's not no faith problem. Some folks have a no faith problem. He's talking to his followers here. He says, oh, you of little faith. I have little faith sometimes. I have faith here and I have faith here. Eh, sometimes I struggle here. I've got faith here. But there's times when I have little faith, when there's areas of my life, areas of concern, things that come into my life, and I have little faith. And what happens? I become concerned and consumed by the things of this world, and I lose perspective, and I lack trust in God. I have little faith. And what Jesus is saying here, oh, you have little faith. I've saved you. I've made you. I've created you for all eternity. And he's saying, allow your faith to permeate every area of your life. That scary area, that hard area, that area where you just feel like God has given up. He's saying, allow faith to permeate every area, every fear, every corner of your life. Allow him to reign and rule in those areas of your life. Oh, you have little faith. It doesn't have to be little. It can grow. Our faith is too small. Same thing happened just a couple of days later, right? His disciples are in the boat with him. Creator of the universe. Asleep in the bow of the boat. Storm comes up. Disciples say, creator of the universe, wake up. And he says, oh, you have little faith. There's storms we get in. And we have little faith. And what Jesus is calling us to is... Allow ourselves to position ourselves to grow in our faith. To think about what he's done. Think about how he's provided. Think about how he cares. And allow our faith to grow. And we can because our father knows what we need. Your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows what you need. Look at verses 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. 
God is sovereign. He knows what you need today. He knows what you need. Sometimes I know what my children need. Sometimes I don't. I can look at the weather and know where we're going. And sometimes I'm like, hey, guys, come on. We're packing. You're going to need this. You're going to need this. You're going to need I don't need a hoodie. I don't need socks. I'll be fine. You know, all that stuff. I'm like, I know what you need. Listen to me. Pack what I'm telling you. You need it. How much more our Heavenly Father, He knows what we need. He's always known what we need. He's always known what we need. He knew what we need when we were in our sin. He knew we needed a Savior. I struggle with Christmas gifts. Jesus, God did not struggle with knowing what Christmas gift we needed. He knew we needed a Savior and He gave us a Savior. And He knows what you need today. And He knows what you need tomorrow. He knows what you need. And He provides for the needs of His children. And He says, don't be like the Gentiles. They're pursuing all these things. They're pursuing what they're going to drink, what they're going to eat. The things of this world, what they're going to drive, what their bank account is. Pursuing all the things of this world. He's saying, don't be like that. Don't get consumed by that. Don't get consumed with worry and those things. You don't be like the Gentiles. They seek after all these things. And in a room like this, on a day like today, there's probably some people in that category who have not made Jesus King, Lord of their lives And you're like the Gentiles that are described right here. You're chasing after things that you'll never grasp. That will never satisfy. You're trying to drink from wells that will never quench your thirst. You will never be satisfied by the things of this world. No matter how hard you pursue them. And there's going to be a day when you breathe your last. And you'll step into eternity forever separated From your creator and all that pile of stuff that you've gone after. And Jesus says, don't chase those things. Repent of it and come after me. Leave it all, all the stuff of this world and follow me. And I will give you life and I'll give you life abundantly. Hear Jesus say that to you this morning. If you're caught up in consuming the things of this world and money is your God and the things of this world are your God, it will not save you. It will not satisfy you. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can. Your father knows what you need. Don't worry. Believe it. Believe him. Believe Jesus and what he's saying this morning. And then verse 33 So far, we've been looking at right thinking. Now, we kind of get some, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Pursue the kingdom. Pursue righteousness. Seek the kingdom. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, Hey, you want to be eaten up by something? You want to get consumed by something? You want your mind to just dwell on something? Let it be the kingdom. Pursue the kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. It's also the the solution to too little faith, right? When we pursue the kingdom first, it's the solution to too little faith for our lives. If we get first things right Second things are going to fall into place. 
Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. If you get first things right, the second things, the third things, the fourth things in your life, they're going to fall where they need to be. If you pursue second things as first things, it will not work out. It can't. In his economy, pursue first things, the second things, the third things, they'll be added to you. When we get it upside down and backwards, we will never get the first thing where it needs to be in our lives. So we're to seek the kingdom. Where? How? Where am I to seek this kingdom? In your heart, first and foremost. Before you start seeking it anywhere else, you seek God's reign in the realm of your heart. Seek God's reign in the realm of your heart. His rule and reign in every area. Those areas that you cling to, you don't want to give up, let it go. Lord, you reign, not me. In this spot, you reign, not me. In every area of your life, that's what seeking the kingdom first looks like. It starts right here. And once it starts right here, where else does the kingdom need to be sought? It needs to be sought where God's put you. It needs to be sought in the relationships that God's given you. You need to share the kingdom. Give it away. Give it away. Give away the kingdom. That's what we need to do as individuals. Think about if we could map a web of relationships represented in this room. How many folks could have a kingdom impact in their lives? And isn't it good to share the gospel if you've ever verbalized the gospel to someone and shared it? It stirs your heart. It warms your heart. It reminds you of first things. It gives you confidence. It takes a little skinny, anxious pastor knocking on a door to being an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it gives me boldness and it assures my heart of the goodness of my King when I share the gospel with others. And it helps melt away a little bit of the worry that I had before I went to that door. It helps me melt away a little bit of those other temporal things that get caught up in my mind when I talk to somebody, when I talk to a stranger, when I talk to a friend, when I talk to a worker about the gospel and the good news. So we seek it in our heart for him to reign. We seek it where we are for him to reign in Hernando and DeSoto County. May his kingdom come in Hernando as it is in heaven. And we seek the kingdom among the nations. I love the testimonies we got to hear this morning of seeking the kingdom, seeking the kingdom among the nations, amongst the unreached, amongst the lost, amongst the 4,000 remaining villages in Nepal where there is no gospel presence. Seeking God's kingdom. Pray for the unreached. And just this, I don't have scripture to back this up. This is just personal observation of your missions pastor here. I believe it really helps put some things in perspective when you go and you spend a couple of days sleeping on the ground in a refugee camp in Uganda. And you see death around you and hardships and there's no water. And you go to the jungle somewhere and you're sleeping in a hut and there's mosquitoes buzzing. Or you go to South Asia and you're sweating and you're riding 16 hours. It makes you worry a little bit less about your kitchen tile. It melts some of those ridiculous things that cause us worry and concern and consume us. So I would encourage you in some way, shape or form to seek God's kingdom amongst the nations. And see if that doesn't help just lift your head up a little bit. 
from when it gets stuck down in the ditch of worry and those little things that can just eat away at us. Get after the kingdom and see what God might do. Commit to putting some first things first and let him take care of those second and third things. He will. He's your father. He loves you. Believe him. And I believe this is true for an individual and the church as well. Just a quick note. I believe if we as a church ever get off of kingdom things, if we as a church ever get second, try and make second or third things first, the Lord will not bless as he does. And we as a church body, we as individuals, have got to seek first the kingdom of God and let him add everything else that's needed. That's what our church plants need. That's what we need. That's what you as individuals need. Seek first the kingdom. Let him do what he's going to do to provide for each one of those needs. And then lastly in closing, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is Jesus saying right there? This is what I believe he's saying. God's grace and mercy are sufficient to sustain you for today. God's grace and mercy are sufficient to sustain you for today. Remember the manna in the Old Testament? How God provided manna from heaven for his people? And they were to go out and collect it. How many days worth, worth were they supposed to go out and collect? One day. They weren't supposed to hoard it for tomorrow and the next day. Get a week's worth or a month's worth. Get it today. I'll provide again tomorrow. When Jesus taught them how to pray. Pray for weekly bread, monthly bread, daily bread. That's what God is calling us to. It's a day by day by day mercy and grace gift that he gives to sustain you. And tomorrow, tomorrow's grace is going to be sufficient for tomorrow's trouble. And the next day, the mercy for that day will be sufficient for the trouble of that day. Don't bring tomorrow into today. Don't drag yesterday into today. His grace is sufficient for you today. And rest in that. And go to sleep tonight knowing that when I wake up tomorrow, His grace is going to be sufficient for me tomorrow. And He's going to hold true to that promise every single day of this year. When I follow after Him and I seek His kingdom and I can trust my Heavenly Father. Believe Him. Don't worry. Believe Him. The troubles don't leave, the circumstances don't change, but we're called not to worry, but to believe. Would you bow your heads with me this morning and just hear from Jesus for a moment? Would you hear him say, don't worry, believe him? Those folks heard it 2,000 years ago on that hillside, the seekers the kingdom people, Jesus told them, don't worry. And when he went to the cross, hear him say to you, don't worry. I'm burying your sin and your shame and your guilt. Don't worry. Hear him say that to you from the cross. Hear him as he walks out of an empty tomb. He says, don't worry. I've overcome sickness. I've overcome disease. I've overcome cancer. I've overcome death. I've walked out of this tomb. You don't have to worry. 
hear his great commission to go. Go where? Wherever he sends you. Go and make disciples. Don't worry. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And today he is in heaven. And he says, don't worry. I'm advocating for you. I'm speaking on your behalf. I am interceding for you at this very moment at the right hand of the Father. You don't have to worry. Believe me. Heavenly Father, thank you for a Savior. Thank you for a way to make it through this broken, sin-sick world. Lord, help us to believe not only in you, but to believe you. To believe your words and your promises. To rest knowing that you know the beginning from the end. And that there's nothing that we will encounter in this coming year that has not been filtered somehow through your loving fingers. Through your hands. Help us to trust you. And to not be like the Gentiles while they're pursuing all these things, but seeking first your kingdom. It's in his name we pray. Amen.